back to our second <laughs> episode on American Horror Story Apocalypse. Um, I am Aurora. I'm Kat. And we are two people who enjoy watching TV and Ryan Murphy shows. Yes. Uh, and that makes us qualified to talk about American Horror Story. Yeah, and uh, the last episode we covered uh, the first two episodes of Season 8, American Horror Story Apocalypse, and today we are going to be discussing Episode 3 and having a little more of a discussion on uh, where the season has gone so far. Yeah, so I guess we can just jump right into the summary. Do you want to do it, or do you... Um, I can start it out. Does that sound okay? Because I wrote a little bit of my own kind of thing. Yeah, Uh, but I also was pulling from yours a little bit. So um, we start out episode three and Langdon is interrogating Mallory. And unlike the other people he was interrogating, instead of being seduced by Langdon, Mallory kind of pushes back from him and tries to, and at one point she tries to leave and when she tries to leave, we get a big reveal. Uh, so he's like, he grabs her and she then shoots fire across the room. And in a glance, we see Langdon's reaction and he has kind of turned into a, we get a glimpse of his demonic face. So, um, and then we get a look at the outside world of what's happening after the nuclear blast. So we get the post-apocalyptic kind of scene going on and everyone looks like shit and apparently everyone's a cannibal. <laughs> uh, right away, they just became cannibals. Exactly. It was. Uh, it happened really fast. And we are re- reintroduced to Brock, who is uh, played by Billy Eichner. And this is uh, Coco's ex-boyfriend who is still alive and searching for her. And he has become this kind of road warrior badass all of a sudden. He's got like two shotguns strapped to his side and he's just like, bam, bam. He's got everything covered. And he sees this uh, carriage randomly kind of going by and he's like, oh, where's that going? I might as well sneak onto it. (laughs) So, um, so meanwhile, kind of back at the ranch <laughs> at Outpost 3, <laughs> we see uh, Venable, and she doesn't think she's going to make it into the sanctuary, and she's talking to Mead, and uh, they have, on that, that cart, uh, we see that they have received a crate of apples, and this seems to have come out of nowhere. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, um, that where are yeah. these apples coming from? They don't question it. They're just like, okay, they're not radioactive. Cool. There is like one question, and then Venable takes a bite, and it's like, yeah. okay, which I would do the same thing. Yeah, but. she's like, mm, juicy. Like, okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, so they seemingly kind of out of nowhere. I guess it's because they're. She's like, I need a plan because I'm not going to get into the sanctuary. They start hatching a plot to kill everyone. In it would make more sense group. to just kill. Well, kill Langdon and maybe kill everyone, but Langdon first. Yeah, that's a good point. That makes more sense instead of killing everyone but Langdon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, just kill everyone else so, like, we, there's no one else that they could take to the sanctuary. They gotta take someone, I guess. Yeah. Is kind of the point of it. So, um, so yeah, so basically they decide to throw a Halloween party, and this is kind of 
in all American Horror Story seasons, they always kind of have like a quote unquote Halloween episode where they just speak about how Halloween is <laughs> awesome. Uh, so they were like, we're going to have a costume party. And they decide to have it be Victorian themed, which I was like, that's kind of lame. Isn't everything Victorian themed? Oh, and it's a masquerade ball. So people have like masks on and you can't know, you don't know who's who necessarily. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, which I, I've said that if they make mask mandatory when I go back to work, I'm just going to come in in like a like a costume mask on just the upper half of my face yeah. and be like, you said Matt face mask. <laughs> Or just wear one of those, like, uh, things from, like, you know, Plague Times with the beak yeah. and everything. <laughs> and I'll use it to type. Yeah. <laughs> just be, like, pecking everyone. Um, and so, yeah, so they uh, basically, they, at the party, they're just like, oh, look at these apples. And people start grabbing them. She's like, no, we got to make sure everyone eats them at once. So uh, they have, like, a bobbing for apples sort of thing. That reminds me of The Office when they're doing bobbing for apples at a party and Aaron is like down like under the water for like a really long time and they're just like what's going on and she pulls up and she's like I ate three whole apples <laughs> like oh my god oh my god uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember that she's such a weird character anyway <laughs> uh, so Basically, yeah, so they're at, everyone kind of thinks it's what's happening with the party is this is going to be an excuse or time to announce who's going to the sanctuary. So Coco gets all dolled up and, um, you know, gets her hair done by Mr. Gallant and everything. And she sees this one masked figure and she believes this is Langdon. And so she kind of is like seducing him a little bit and they go back to the room, uh, her room, and she's kind of like, I'll do stuff that I haven't even done to my husband, like, blah, blah, blah. Extremely unnecessary line there, where she's, like, <laughs> analingus. Yeah, she's like, analingus. And you're like, on who? who? On her? her? <laughs> no, I know. I but... let you do analingus. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so yeah, they get back and then she, yeah, she says another line too where she's like, they get, when they're back in their room, she's just like, I have a, but I have to warn you, I have like a very short tongue and like a terrible gag reflex. <laughs> Not another very unnecessary detail. Um, this I'm kind of going off of like yours for kind of the end part, but um, Brock, uh, it's actually, she thinks it's Langdon, but it's revealed that it is uh Brock actually in disguise, and he then then ends up killing her. And so back at the party, uh, Venable tells everyone they can eat their apples. So they all you know eat them simultaneously, and then they all end up dying very quickly. The poison gets in their bloodstream incredibly quickly, and they all die. It's a pretty kind of I would say a kind of a, a gruesome scene in a way like them all being poisoned it was very jonestown like if you've ever seen yeah. footage from jonestown it's it's very very disturbing seeing yeah. everyone get poisoned and die and you know the whole thing so uh yeah i thought that was very disturbing in a way one of the worst horror movies i watched was just like a uh tr a true to life like um, adaptation of Jonestown, like, it wasn't, like, just basically, like, from how they think it I happened. Get, I get what you're saying, but it, it was it like, saying it was it's a, Jonestown, like, or just, it was... Yeah, yeah, it was oh, called, okay. like, The Sanctuary, it was 
Ty West, but like knowing that it's real was just like, oh, this is awful. I don't like real life horror. That's things. like, uh, that reminds me of, I don't know if you ever watched, it's uh, Gus Van Sant's, uh, he did uh, that movie Elephant, which. Yeah, I, I love that movie. It's really good, but it, it really kind of fucked me up for like a little I think while. I only watched it one time. I think yeah. I just like the aesthetics of it. It's, more it's than... a, well, it's a really good movie, but it really, yeah, it gets to you. And it's about basically, it's, kind of a fictional Columbine situation. Yeah. And, you know, so there's, a, it's it's very kind of slow, kind of at the beginning, and it ramps up, and it's eerie. Uh, but it is, yeah. it's very, very good. But, yeah, it's it's freaky. Um, so anyway, so Venable, so they all die, and Venable and Mead, uh, they confront Langdon, and Venable's saying, I'm in charge now. I'm going to be making the selections. Which, if she's not that good, you're right. If she, because it's like, he is obviously powerful, and yeah. he does have the connection to the sanctuary, so I get not killing him for that reason. You know what I mean? Or, but he has the computer. They could just pretend to be him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, how are they gonna know? I don't think it's like they might think that they like cannot get in without him, like yeah. being around. Uh, but everyone wears masks to go in and out of places, so you wouldn't really know, like, who... I don't know. Yeah, so the, I get there is some logic to them not killing Langdon, just because it's like, I don't know if we can actually pull this off. There's a lot of questions there. There could be some coded stuff where it's like, you literally type to the person, like, hey, I'm Langdon, and they're like, well, you didn't use the code word. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So there's stuff like that, but uh, but then they they're not scared enough of him to then just like make this declaration that they're going to be making the selections or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, Mead shoots Venable under the orders of Langdon and, um, plot twist. Yeah. So basically like she pulls out a gun, Mead pulls out a gun and she's very much like, she's pointing it at Langdon. And then, uh, she kind of like is, can't, it looks like she kind of can't control her body. You know, and she's mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. And then she shoots Venable and she's like, I've been so loyal to her. So it's it's very prime directive from like RoboCop or whatever. Like you've been programmed that you can't hurt me kind of deal. Yeah. So uh, Langdon tells talks to me about, you know, her being a robot and like that. What like where she kind of came from. And basically, like he tells her that she was modeled after his surrogate mother. Um. Later, uh, we have uh, Cordelia, uh, Good, Madison Montgomery, and Myrtle Snow. Uh, so those are all uh, people from American Horror Story Coven. Um, they kind of come out of the shadows uh, and come to, are descending out to, onto Outpost 3. Um, and Cordelia resurrects Mallory, Dina, and Coco. Yeah, so we'll talk more about the witches in the next um, episode, but it's weird that they don't, like, address the fact that Cordelia is identical to Venable. (laughs) I think that's accepted. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a tradition of that and stuff where, like, people are just playing multiple characters, you know? But if you're going to go that route, like, have her be, like, a twin or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. No, I, you have to I, at least address it. I, I don't know. I'm kind of fine with it just because there is, like, a tradition of people just obviously just playing multiple yeah. characters in one show or one play or one whatever, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's okay, you know? And especially because I feel like he's done that a little bit. He's done crossovers with different 
seasons before. And I feel like mm-hmm. this season is where we really delve into let's really kind of combine these different these uh, different stories uh, from American Horror Story. We get the most ever from this season. And we're, yeah. we'll get into that in later stuff. Okay. But yeah. it's a big kind of reveal. It is a kind of a happy kind of thing. And I think a lot of um, American Horror Story fans were probably excited when they saw that because, you know, that was one of the favorite fave seasons. So... I yeah. did like that season, but I was like, oh, no. Here, it only Here, took three yeah, episodes exactly. for this world to totally fall apart. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was thinking... It was a classic Brian Murphy move. That's exactly, like, what I was thinking. And it it is, like, that was kind of the first question I kind of wanted to get into. Um Was about, like, how the show would go if someone else made it or how uh like how you thought the show was gonna go and i was really excited by the whole apocalypse thing i thought the opening was really cool with this like really fast moving like disaster and it was really high energy and fun and like ah okay the apocalypse is coming then we get into this really mysterious outpost thing and we have the mystery box who is langdon what is the um what's it called again the um sanctuary no the the actual organization the the collective the collective um so like who are they what's going on here then we have the whole which we discussed earlier about the tim tim and emily plot who are much more grounded and realistic and um they you know are trying to figure out what the mystery is so i was excited about like where exactly this was going to go and then when they brought in the witches, I was like, okay, this is completely different than I thought it was going to be, <laughs> uh, which is nice that we got, like, a twist, I guess, but <laughs> it was uh, just... Uh, yeah, after three episodes. Yeah, but... Of, it, a little early. It, but, yeah, it just, it throws the whole entire, like, what we just set up on its head. Yeah. Uh, so, what the world that they built so far kind of on its head. I think with a different creator, different writer, uh, yeah, this definitely had just the trappings of a normal, you know, apocalypse going into this weird kind of dystopian kind of society they're trying to build and this mystery of what's happening with the collective. And that would have gone on for the entire season or at least till, till midway where we get more of a twist and we could have gotten into some of the more kind of demonic things, but it, mu- it would have been a much slower burn um and yeah they they definitely kind of didn't leave that mystery hanging for very long um yeah 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 i thought like they could have done the whole like apocalypse part of it like the nuclear disaster like that could have been the like one whole episode but they blew through that really quickly which i kind of liked because i thought the opening was was cool that they did it so fast but at the same time yeah i they could have definitely done it as like yeah. so they also could have done kind of because we only get that one really glimpse of this post-apocalyptic nightmare that's going on outside and we could have definitely seen more of that more of that we don't really see any more oh, of that yeah. you know we get yeah. one glimpse of it yeah i would have liked more of that and i definitely thought it was going to be like because they kept alluding to like what was beyond the gates of the outpost so i definitely thought they were going to slowly reveal like different cool monster people that were, like, lurking in the woods, but then it was just Billy Eichner. Yeah, yeah, and... and Who, the world, the most unbelievable, uh, badass 
well, slash villain. <laughs> one of my questions, and I think I could bring it up now, is uh, Billy Billy Eichner as a road warrior, yay or nay? Did you like it or did you not like it? And you're saying you didn't like it. I liked it just because it's ridiculous. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it was ridiculous. And he, it was like, I mean... I feel like a lot of people, like, actors portray, like, people in the military, like, and you're like, okay, like, yeah, they did a pretty good job, like, it's believable, but they usually do some kind of training or something, but you can, like, he just was so unconvincing as a badass, like, the most, like, you can kind of, I'm like, oh, that's what it looks like when people really don't sell that, like. Yeah, I just... I know my way around a weapon, like, no training, probably. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, he's supposed to have been living in this, like, thing for 18 months. I just thought it was really funny, because we see Billy Eichner as just this... Him and Coco are, you know, married, as we see in the opening. And, you know, he just seems like this, you know, kind of just privileged, just rich dude, producer guy in, in Hollywood. So to see him then just change like 18 months later and he's straight yeah. up like an archetype of like a badass road yeah. warrior like lone wolf was just like funny and just kind yeah. of quintessential ryan murphy to me like it, what yeah. i what kind of like one of my favorite things about it when he does shit like that so that <laughs> i did enjoy just because yeah it was over the top but it wasn't grounded it wasn't realistic and it wasn't convincing but that's not you know, i think that's not what the, i come to the show for the people he he ran into i feel like they were like on um like on snl where was it rachel dratch with like the little baby leg no, that was uh <laughs> um, oh she she might have had that but i i was thinking of the baby arm from Kristen wig yeah yeah, yeah. A little baby arm <laughs> uh, they all had like little baby arms coming or from something there. yeah it was very weird and then they talk to so he yeah he comes up on these two guys and they they're these like cannibals and they're just like straight up like they seem just like the biggest dicks like as yeah. well they're just like i think i knew that bitch from high school oh and yeah then, like shot like, her okay. again and then we're uh, then he's like about to kill this one guy and he's like i didn't always used to be like this i was a special ed teacher and it's just like okay so like everyone and this is something that murphy does it's like why does everyone have to just be like the worst like representation of human nature you know yeah. like why does everyone go to that place you know yeah. um so yeah i thought that that was just kind of like oh i roll with him saying that like i didn't know he used to be like this he used to be special <laughs> and the other guy was like i was on top chef or something oh yeah that was funny i did like like that because he's just like you don't don't overcook it and it was like oh at least he's using his skills here yeah <laughs> i yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's, like, those people are still somehow surviving and eating, like, radioactive. I feel like humans would be something you would not want to eat. Yeah. You would want to yeah. eat something that was, like, uh, like, I don't know. I guess, I guess like, you would want to be hunting and stuff. I don't know. Maybe not. Well, I think at this point it's just, like, they're getting whatever they yeah. can because, like, everything's affected by, yeah. you know by that like in we learn in chernobyl you know they're they're saying that they're gonna have to destroy a ton of farmland because like the water is going to be irradiated and you know it's going to go into the crops and everything so like everything they're like and we have to destroy all the wildlife you know there's that really sad episode where that kid has to kill all those dogs and stuff oh god uh you know i don't want to talk about chernobyl this came out before chernobyl so did they did Chernobyl steal from Ryan no, Murphy? I will you be say, the judge. No. <laughs> uh, bes- yeah, besides the fo- point that, that it was a development for, like, a while, like, I definitely, yeah. yeah, it was, 
It was definitely like the opposite of the kind of depiction of Chernobyl and just like one of the most horrific things that Chernobyl did and but it did really well was just show, show radiation sickness and like realistically how that would work and I remember seeing an interview with the makeup artist and he was talking about like yeah this was I've worked on horror movies I worked on all, this was the most horrific thing I've ever had to do because it's real I believe it because yeah. it's real and it is just so disturbing when you see the firemen and the first responders actually like they're how their bodies are the body horror that goes into like radiation sickness and yeah so that actually is a good point so one of the so i love horror and one of the things that really gets me is like radiation sickness and i guess because it's like invisible kind of yeah and yeah body horror is a great way to describe it i'm surprised i watched chernobyl because i was like no i will not watch this i don't i i think i watched like, what was it, K-19 Widowmaker, which is about, like, a submarine where they have a, a nuclear accident, and that freaked me out. Like, just the idea of, like, being able to be poisoned by radiation just always really gets me. I don't know why, uh, but I did it watch it. And it was awful, too. Well, it, it was, was an awful it, it was to watch. so scary. I mean, they they were oh really... Oh, my God. The whole thing, like, he, he does a... The, the creator, he has a great podcast kind of just talking about just his research and you know everything it was it was with hbo yeah uh and the idea that you can seem fine one day and then the next day you're just like melting like um, yeah for like because they they like uh, like raiders of the lost ark it's just like it just that freaks me out it's also just it but just like the realistic depiction of like what that actually is because it is confusing and people are just like oh you just become like a weird mutant or something yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. so like it's like when they're actually like in the facility and this one guy just starts like bleeding out of just like random parts of his body you know Mm -hmm. like because he was so close to the reactor and then like someone just like you know randomly touches something and it's just like that was close to the reactor and yeah it's just like everything's kind of disintegrating and burned it's really oh god i don't even i think yeah no it it really is because they show they show like the radiation kind of sickness and the people that were like in the facility and how it was affecting them realistically and then the people that were outside those firemen and stuff and how the more like kind of slow death and all of it was just like so horrifying just because it is real um, so yeah. I was disappointed with uh, um, this season of American Horror Story in that they didn't make more use of the like real horror of a nuclear wasteland because it is so scary. And once again, they take it away from the actual scary thing and go to a completely different direction. Yeah. So I, I always just feel like every season there's like some missed opportunity for where it would be something that doesn't have to be grounded in reality it can still be like heightened but they but he just doesn't go for what is scary about um an apocalypse except for the first scene is the only really real time where yeah you feel that like yeah the impending doom of it all yeah. and everything and and we both like had talked about before we both do enjoy apocalypse and post-apocalyptic stories and how people are kind of dealing with it and reacting. So it really, like, it, it definitely was, like, there is a place where this sh- kind of should have gone if anyone else made it. And he just, like, makes a choice that, like, no one thought was going to be made. 
which is like kind of interesting. <laughs> no but, one thought should be made. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like okay, there you have a lot of material here. You have like yeah. you you can just focus on the demonic outpost kind of thing being mm-hmm. in this, and then them like weirdly rebuilding the society like yeah. with that. But they didn't even go fully in that direction either. They because they brought in all this other stuff with the witches and stuff from the other season. Yeah, so or it they was, could, they it was more focused... of this political kind of thing. Yeah, like um, it the the scenes it, like on the surface or whatever kind of reminded me of in The Handmaid's Tale, like the colonies where they send wayward women. Yeah, like to yeah. Du- to because du- it's like everything's like irradiated. Yeah. So like yeah, they didn't have to go full like let's show the actual effects of radiation, but they could have just done something yeah. more like that. Yeah. No, exactly. There's been a lot of like movies and stuff where like you just see more of like what you're talking about, like with like hands Handmaid's Tale, which isn't like a huge part of it it is a it is a kind of more of a b plot you know going on yeah but it is kind of with the world building and stuff and he had a lot of stuff that was like a good good kind of like groundwork for world building there and instead he kind of threw all that out the window as we go forward and i think that was why it was kind of good to do the first three episodes first because it does take such a wild turn and it takes like another wild turn and I don't know if you've watched uh, the last couple yet, but no, uh, so I'm I won't excited. I won't spoil it. But it takes Wait, so another wild so, turn in the last couple episodes too. Okay, so we'll break it up. Like, so I watched, I watched up to episode and including episode five. So I guess if we break it up. Four, five, six, or four, five, six, seven, and then yeah, I I want to look at the um. Because there's a weird introduction into some Silicon Valley stuff, and I forget exactly when that happens. Oh I know, that's what I'm saying. So I can't wait. So, yeah, it's also good to get... So, the perspective you're getting now is someone who hasn't seen the complete season. Yeah. And doesn't know what the where the, this is going. Yeah, so it, I, I'm just saying it takes a couple... It takes... It doesn't just take this one turn. It takes a couple more weird... Like, real, <laughs> real strong turns that are very kind of like wait what incredible yeah and very very much in his kind of base the uh yeah we'll talk about that later but there is one episode that is kind of almost like standalone and it's throwing back to the first season which is um interesting because it when they introduce and i'm kind of veering to another question here but where when they introduce the reintroduce the latex leather man from season one I'm like, here we go. Yeah, like, what did, what did you think about that? Did you, were you like, oh, is this, did you think, oh, okay, are they going to tie in, like, other seasons, or, you know? Well, I, I know who Langdon is, like, his identity, so I kind of knew what that was about, I think, because I always, I spoil things for myself. Like, I've, I think I've read, basically, a summary of the season, but I forget it because it made no sense to me. Yeah. So, I I have, like, a, like, I know who he is. Yeah. But, um, that, like, doesn't really, like, give me any knowledge. But I was just like, oh, no, not this again. Yeah, it seemed like they were just bringing bringing him back because he wanted to bring back the the visuals yeah. more so than anything else you know? yeah I, I liked when he was on the ceiling i'm like that's creepy Ooh, people on the ceiling really creep that's another thing that gets me yeah that's scary people crouched in ceilings yeah hiding really. in ceilings like because it's like a bug or a bat yeah you know people people moving in like unnatural or inhuman ways yeah. scare me and uh new and radiation also scares me <laughs> so this could have been the perfect season for you. 
Yeah, but it wasn't, like, scary at all. Yeah. There was a... Yeah. Like we were talking about, there are a few kind of, like, very kind of scary or kind of jarring moments, like, that have to do with the apocalypse or this, like, really fucked up society they're living in. And that was, like, when Tim has that flashback before he gets the gun for Mead. It's like, oh, my God, yeah, like, he's, he's having this, like, trauma. And yeah. so we get a little bit of that. But, yeah, it doesn't... It doesn't get into a real like it go. It definitely veers from horror very very quickly. I feel I feel like the first three episodes are the most like horror kind of oriented. Um, before we go forward, yeah, there's like a couple moments like the snakes. I guess is kind of like a jump scare thing. Also, but... just the creepy kind of mysterious energy of it. You know, yeah, that you get from a lot of horror. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. Okay. I'm just looking at the questions. Do, do, do. Okay, so do you want to talk about uh, Kathy Bates's character? Yeah, sure. Uh, so we get. So a, what up with that? What up with that? <laughs> Kathy Bates, what up with that? So, uh, so Miriam Mead, she is a robot, as we know, but we see flashbacks. I think it's at the beginning of episode three, and so we kind of see her. One of the first uh, memories she has is her dressed as a robot for Halloween. And I didn't even put those two things together until I saw your notes. I was like, oh, because she like, becomes a robot. Yeah. So <laughs> my whole thing is these are implanted memories. So Langton doesn't meet Kathy Bates until, like, later in her life. And it doesn't seem from the – these seem like false memories. These seem like completely fictional implanted memories. These don't seem like things that were from her real life at all. Like, oh, okay. I, it, because it's like, she's supposed to be like this military, you so, know, kind oh, to of make person. her a good fighter. I, okay, exactly. I understand. So I think that's what was going on. So they kind of, so then the first one they show her like dressed as a robot, which I had this whole thing of like, why would you put that in? Cause wouldn't that somehow, I don't know. I feel like that opens the door and leads to the potential of her having like an existential crisis of I'm a robot. Right. So yeah. why, why would you have her like a robot dressed as a robot in an implanted If I found out I was a robot, I would be so stoked because I'd be like, well, I'll live forever. Like, yeah, that's great too. news. Yeah. Like, cool. Yeah. I already feel like what's going on in this brain of mine. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, this makes sense. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, oh, finally, I get some answers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we see her in the, in a movie theater, um, watching Rosemary's Baby with like a date she's like a teenager at this point and so watching rosemary's baby which makes a lot of sense when we learn who langdon is um but she's talking about how she likes horror movies but then like she's with this guy and it's kind of like oh like she's like i like i like to be scared but he made me feel gross or something like that do you remember that yeah and it's like okay same yeah, I don't. I don't know what <laughs> that's that, like. Everyone's experience in high school. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was about. Cause he was kind of trying to cop a feel or something. And, yeah, and it was very. I, I don't know what they were trying to say about her character there, or like why they would again I, I, why yeah. they would implant that memory in her. And then uh, later we see her, which makes more sense, is her uh, fighting this guy, like this really like crazy kind of fight scene of this guy. And I think he was kind of like uh, 
she was at that point some somehow part of the military, some special kind of force, military kind of person, and he was some spy or something. I can't exactly remember who exactly he was. Um, but. Oh, yeah, and so those three scenes were all supposed to be on Halloween, and then it segued to the, like, Halloween party. So that's, like, the connection, I guess, but it was very yeah. weird. Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was strange. I thought it, the whole kind of thing was unnecessary, especially because then we learn, okay... Like, she is, like, are we doing a whole, like, AI questioning their existence? No, we are not doing that in this season. So why do we even have... Why is she a robot? Yeah, well, not even, like, why she's a robot, but the the implanted memories and that whole thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, Like, why do we have to go into her questioning, like, oh, who am I having this, like existential kind of thing and like we don't really need that because that's not what the story's about at all this isn't like this isn't like ex machina or something like that yeah yeah (laughs) we don't need her backstory we don't really care yeah um yeah so it was very very strange um and yeah and then we lead to realizing that she was connected because she said she like does have this also flies in the face of, like, any kind of real kind of sci-fi stuff talking about AI or anything like that. She's like, I do remember this beautiful baby boy. And oh, yeah. she's talking about Langdon, and it's like, okay, so was that an implanted memory? Or are they saying that this, like, AI robot they created, like, is, uh, like, actually has memories from, like, her real former life, which isn't that... that isn't like something that would actually happen ever you know yeah i didn't think too deeply about it but i was like once again it was like a weird emotional or maybe that happens in a later episode where she's just like i don't know like talking to langdon and like it's like a weird emotional moment that you're like do we need this no one asked for this yeah <laughs> it, and it was kind of like with her because uh, i i like her character later when we show we show her when she was like a human not a robot yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was kind of like also her turning on Venable and then just being okay with it really quickly again flies in the whole face of like sci fi about artificial intelligence because she just like is not a, of this kind of like questioning who I am. She accepts it real quick that yeah, this is what's yeah. going on and you're the baby boy. But maybe that's it. Maybe they implanted that little memory so she would be fine with it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a it was a little unnecessary. He just wanted a robot in the movie for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> or in the show. Uh yeah. And I, I don't know if we get a backstory about Venable later, but I would like to see um Yeah, we do. See what Okay. I won't spoil and it. a little fun note from my Latin um uh high school days. Venable comes from the Latin venari meaning to hunt. So oh. that's a fun fact for okay. you. Because I knew there was a girl in my Latin class with the last name Venable. Um and I think our teacher like talked about it. So And she was I was like, like what does that mean? She's like, stop talking about me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stop calling me out in class. Uh so we we already kind of went over uh the parallels with um American Horror Story Apocalypse and Chernobyl. One thing I did like cuz I actually watched um Apocalypse after I'd seen Chernobyl. And so I was just like, "Oh, we got the like Geiger counter thing in here. I know what that is That's from like, Chernobyl." <laughs> I know. I'm like, I don't want to hear a Geiger counter ever again. I know again. they're scary now. So, uh yeah, just the depictions of nuclear fallout and you were talking about like you know, we had talked about the, you know, great kind of makeup and actual realistic depictions of it from Chernobyl versus 
baby arms growing out of people's heads in American Horror Story and what a lot of people do with radiation is people become weird mutants. Yeah. <laughs> like, his hair falling out and stuff made sense. Like, him just kind of looking like crap would make more sense. It just makes sense. Right. But, like, them having weird mutations doesn't make sense. Oh, one thing I did want to talk about was what in the world was the point of Billy Eichner's character? Because, like... Why does he want to kill Coco? Like, she couldn't have done anything. Like, they were about to be, mur- like, I, that overrun. That was something I was thinking about, too. Like... And it, I don't know. Well, okay, so that's something I did want to talk about. In the for, in the opening, I thought that there was, like... It was 0 to 60, but we got some realistic kind of things about, like, some more grounded kind of, like... And I like in Apocalypse stories of what would people do, like, in this crisis? What... How yeah. people would actually react. And so in the crisis, you know, she's getting on a private jet. Everyone's freaking out. So people from the airport turn and start running towards the plane and they want to take it over to try to get away. And I thought that was actually like much more grounded and realistic of a depiction of like what would happen. Uh, and Except for the security guy, because he he didn't have a spot on the plane, I don't think. And I I think he's the pilot. Oh! Yeah, okay. I think he was, that's why... Well, then why, what, they weren't they more concerned? They were like, oh, there's no pilot. Yeah, he yeah, the died outside the plane, shot. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I I viewed that as he was some somehow the pilot, so he was supposed to be on the plane, and then they just, like, everything happened so fast that they kind of just, like, didn't realize, like, no one was flying yeah. the plane. How okay, did the plane okay. even take off? I don't know. Um, but, because, yeah, because that's the only explanation I can kind of think of. Uh, yeah. but yeah, I liked them kind of running there and she's on the phone with him. Like, you got to get here. You got to get here to Billy Eichner. Coco's like, you have to get here. The plane's going to be taking off. Then she's like freaking out. Cause she's like, these people are storming the plane. They want to get on the plane. Yeah. And he is like, able- yeah, sure. She was a bitch about it, but that, have you met her? Of course she's going to be like a bitch about she it. She didn't have to then go and say, remember our deal? Yeah. about like that was like okay that's just she should have just been like oh my god i love you we have to yeah, go yeah, yeah, like you know yeah. that's like why did you have to say this like you're free to see other people is what she says like remember our deal like blah blah, blah you're free to see other people and yeah. that was just like such a bitchy way to end it i guess because <laughs> it didn't seem like they because she really wanted him there so it's like okay so they actually like care about each other in yeah. at some degree it was so yeah weird. yeah uh, and her, I mean, he's been through a lot outside the world, but her, him coming in and then killing her was a little bit unnecessary for where, you know, the plot was going. Yeah. Um, back to the, I didn't mention this before, but the, um, when they like realize no one's flying the plane, I just rewatched, uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And I love, well, I love every scene in that movie, but the scene where, they're in the plane, and then the guy, like, the pilot, like, jumps out of the plane, and no one's flying the plane. Yeah. So they have to go on an inflatable oh, raft. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I love... <laughs> so they should have, like, had a scene of, like, the- of all the people, like, somehow, like, getting out of that plane instead of just cutting to yeah. them being in the bunker. You just thought it and should it- go straight to a comedy, and them yeah. jumping on a raft. <laughs> That, that movie is so crazy. I still love it. It's so Every goofy. Everyone talks about how it's, like, not good, but I think it's, it's so, so fun. Like, because it, it is over the top and ridiculous. The first the first scene is probably one of my favorite scenes. And I... It, at the club and every... At that, like, weird... Well, it opens with the music number, but then it goes... It's, like, um fantastical, which I didn't realize as a kid. Like, it opens into this, like, giant dance scene, which couldn't fit. Yeah. 
yeah. in that club. And I'm like, they just wanted to put it like a crazy dance number. And like, sure, it's a little racist, probably. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I just, I love that scene so much. Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> like some racial kind of like problematic stuff that in that movie. But in general, like as a whole, I find the movie incredibly fun. And especially compared to the other Indiana Jones movie, it's definitely Indiana Jones movies. It definitely has a lot of those elements, but it, it goes in a really kind of fun direction. Yeah. And I love that the woman is like the comedic relief. Oh, in I that. love she's, it. She's funny. Um, I just love that movie. That's always been my I, favorite one. I was rewatching that like semi recently. And so I had watched like all of them. And cause I think it was because they were on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was talking to Nick about it, and he was saying that, like, because I've not seen that woman, like, and I'm like, she's hilarious. I love her. She's like... Hey, Capshaw. Yeah, she's like a bimbo, but, like, in a funny yeah. way. Like, I like a good... Yeah. I love a good she's airhead like a, like bimbo a, Like character. a Goldie Hawn kind of... Yeah, like, I love a good character like that that's, like, really goofy and, like... And, like, like bitchy. Yeah, and, the, and a woman being comedic relief in that way is uh, just yeah. in general. Just be, being able to be over the top like that's always good. But uh, he was saying that she was married to Steven Spielberg. Yes, yeah. He was like, I see something I like here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, She. I think I like that movie the best because she's the best of his love interests. Yeah. I think. She's, like, the one that stands out. But that movie definitely made me be like, oh, like, in a relationship, like, you should, like, slap each other and get, like, and, like, yell at each other and then start making out. It yeah. definitely left me with some weird impressions of, like, a healthy yeah. relationship. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> oh, I love it. Anyway, okay, sorry for that side note into Indiana Jones. <laughs> you just, like, talked about that movie a lot lately. Yeah. I know. Um, um, okay, so... I think we've covered a lot of stuff. Um, uh, but, like, why is Venable so bitter? Uh, you had talked, I think, a little bit about that somewhere. Um, yeah, I just, I guess we get more of her backstory later. But, but, um, but I will tell you, it's not enough of a reason. Okay. You know, there's not enough of a reason for her to just be, like, hating on, like, everyone. And, like, the no sex rule, is it because she has a spinal deformity? Is that the only thing that she's bitter about? Because she has some kind of spinal like issue deformity that causes her to like walk with a limp and stuff yeah. and it's not that bad you know like it's yeah. one of those things where it's like okay like it doesn't make you ugly that doesn't make you you know you're not like completely like crippled where you can't do a lot of stuff you just need you have a limp but like you're capable and stuff it doesn't totally like mess up your life completely so i'm like is that why she like, she's other reasons to be bitter we see later, but, like, not enough. Not enough at all. I also wonder, when they when they poison everyone, what about all the other, um, like, work, like, the gray people? Yeah, they... they and the, the food blogger lady, was she still around? Or did I she... think she got killed somehow. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there's the other people that should be like around yeah and the whole like, who's doing the cleaning well and they do show them in some background kind of shots okay. of they yeah. show enough of them where it's like there are a lot of random other people working at this yeah. place at this outpost so what has happened to them have they slowly <laughs> been dying off like what's been going on I guess I think it's weird that none of the characters made any connection like they were there for at least 18 months and like Tim and Emily never seem to make any connections or 
attempt to even talk to anyone else there. Like, if it were me, I feel like they probably would be the most likely to befriend Venable because they were just put there, even though they're, like, the elites, they didn't pay to be there. So, like, if they were smart, they would be like, okay, let me, like, suck up to this crazy lady, like, I don't know. Well, or do I, something, I thought Tim and anything. Emily, like, Tim and Emily, like, their plot, like, I was talking about it, is the most, like, grounded thing of what they're yeah. doing, but they don't follow through on it. So they do yeah. go and sneak into... Langdon's room and find his computer and see what's kind of going on. And yeah. then, but I would think that they would then go and confront some of the other people yeah. in the outpost and be and like, try to get them on their side. Yeah, that would be like the logical thing that there would be. And you had talked about this on the last episode about them having some kind of uprising or yeah. kind of trying to, yeah, get these whole groups together, especially even as we know, there are these other workers like there. Yeah. So we can get them into it. And it's like, there are more of us than there are of you. We can take over this facility. Like, how many guns have you seen? How many, like, whatever. So yeah. we can overpower them. Um, and, you know, do our own thing. Yeah. I think uh, what I don't like about it is, like, Ryan Murphy shows tend to, like, turn into kind of soap operas where it's more about people's relationships and like screwing each other over but he had a great opportunity to show the relationships of everyone in the bunker to each other yeah like and he didn't like they basically just didn't interact with the people that they didn't come there with like totally, totally. it was coco gallant and mallory and then tim and uh emily and like everyone's just like it, it was like the other people weren't even there like i don't think they spoke to each other at all like yeah. it's very weird it's like you'd think you'd have some kind of alliances at some point that is i don't a know really really good point that that is an opportunity that was missed too because you could have gone in that direction as well and or just had more episodes inside the bunker of them yeah you know you know, teaming up and questioning things. And it would have made more sense also with, like, Gallant's character if he had kind of, like, had a more of a relationship with someone outside of his grandmother and stuff. Then him turning, them turning on each other would have made more sense. Like, you know? Yeah. If I, yeah, if I were Tim and Emily, I think Gallant is probably the more normal or the person I would try to talk to. Mm. Maybe, I don't know, because Coco's a lost... Or maybe Mallory, but she's, like, not... She's, like, a servant or whatever. I still and think everyone, they everyone else is just servants, totally you know? crazy. And why is Langdon interviewing her if she's a servant? It, does he just realize that right. she, like, has something? Because it seems like he didn't realize there was anything special about her until... Later, yeah, or maybe right. he did sense it. Like also, oh, in that scene, we learn that Dinah and Langdon know each other. Does that like play into anything? Um, Di- Dinah and La- oh yeah, she, you remember? Uh, yeah, I think that they they'll go into that kind of later because she, I won't really yeah go into it too much, but she's kind of like some you know as we see she's like resurrected, so she has some connections with the witches, and she's like a witch, but. She's also, I think, a little bit of a side player um, okay. within kind of the witch community. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We So we also learned that when they're resurrected at the end that they're all witches. We learned that, right, in this yeah, episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just those three are resurrected. The other ones are like, eh, Yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, uh, and I think they say, like, our sisters or something. So it's like. I, wait, do they, re- they resurrected all the women except for Emily. Poor Emily. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I was like Emily's that's not a witch. Up. She's Emily's the only one who should be resurrected. Yeah. Emily's not a witch, though. So, you know, they don't need her. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is also this weird thing with Timothy and Emily where Tim starts to 
like narrate at one point and oh yeah it's yeah, at yeah. the like end of the first episode and really these two would be traditionally kind of the protagonists of the story and they are not you know yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's just like a red herring because you think they're the protagonist yeah it then. is yeah I, I definitely think it is a red herring too but it is like kind of like we know at the same time these are not going to be just because they are just boring compared to all the other they're not yeah. traditional crazy ryan murphy characters so um but timothy starts to narrate which was really weird and then just starts talking about like this this weird kind of love story that comes up with Timothy and Emily and was like I might have liked this if I was like 11 like and thought it was romantic but <laughs> yeah. I'm watching him like this is really lame like we had to steal one kiss a day oh we yeah we rationed our our love like we rationed the food and I was just like this <laughs> is so lame like I was really like maybe oh. maybe they put that in there so that when like stuff really popped off you'd be like okay good yeah <laughs> like when the witches came you're like thank god yeah. <laughs> Like, I thought this was going to be it. We need to have to put something really annoying in with them. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, like, Ryan Murphy's like, yeah, everything's deliberate, and I just want to know what goes on in that head, because there's so many things that it's... I'm like, why is this here? But it is, like, it does seem deliberate, because the choice choices he makes are very, like, why are you making them? But it's a choice that I would never have thought anyone would make. You know what I yeah. mean? It's not yeah. something... It's, they're not predictable, so yeah, that, that's he does have that going for him. Yeah, yeah. So I think maybe that's what he's kind of talking about a little bit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. I guess I'm looking at the question. So I guess we one of the last things is um about Mr. Gallant Evan Peters playing is uh, as, as a straight man playing a gay character and the kind of character that he is. If you want to talk about that. Uh, yeah, he's, like, a young gay man, but he has a very strong connection with the history of gay culture as a political countercultural movement, and, uh, I think that was, that definitely, definitely tracks with Ryan Murphy's kind of, uh, message and messaging yeah. and everything. Um, do you think Mr. Gallant is, like, Ryan Murphy's surrogate in the show? Maybe, or just kind of being, like, a little bit, like, okay, we gotta respect the, we gotta respect where, kind of, like, the gay and LGBT kind of movement and culture came from. We wanted to kind of, like, bring that into, kind of, like, into light, in a way, yeah. you know? It's, like, a respect for that. Um, and he, he talks about his grandmother wanting him to be, like, the perfect gay. And I'm like, okay, cannot relate. Have no idea what you're talking about, but okay. Well, I think... Uh, uh, and, like, where is... What happened to his parents? I don't know. Yeah, they never they never addressed that. Because they're talking about, like, how the grandfather kicked him out and stuff. So I don't know exactly. Um, but Mr... Yeah, Mr. Gallant, I think also they... With the whole, like him having this connection to, like, gay history and just kind of the culture that surrounded it, surrounded it, like, now because uh, in many ways, you know, like, gay, gay people and stuff have become, like, and being, like, homosexual has become, like, a much more normal and normalized thing. There are just, uh, you know, people have said from, like, you know, the past and stuff that uh, they kind of, like, almost, they don't want that history and that kind of the kind of the culture of it to die that it came yeah. from because it was a really like distinct thing because it they had to kind of be in the shadows so they were able to kind of create awesome the this awesome kind of culture and kind of society yeah. onto themselves so um 
That's a really good point. So, yeah, yeah, I I thought that that um, was kind of interesting that he, that a young gay character had that connection with that. It's really, yeah, easy to forget, like, how recent, like, gay marriage was and all that. So, and a lot of, like, comedians I listened to, like, literally came out in their, like, mid-20s, which is crazy to think about now. uh, Or, like, late 20s, even. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, it is. So yeah, that was that was interesting. I guess the, oh, it was just always there's just so much thrown in that you're like, what do I pay attention to? Yeah, I, yeah, he's it's hard to to focus. My my <laughs> uh, other thing with this was it was just me also being like ignorant about it. But it's like, is that why? Because he has this connection to the history of gay culture and like, you know, whatever. Is that why he's so into leather? Because I feel like I guess. Le- and I don't know. I might be completely wrong about that, but I think like that whole, like, leather kind of bar and leather scene is really kind of comes from that, you know? And, well, I know it comes from that, but I don't know if it's something that really is something that's still a thing today, you know? I do not know. Yeah. I'm not the person to speak on. So that's more just a question out there. Listener, listeners, write in and tell us about gay bar culture. I I remember seeing like a flyer for like a, a like a dance party and it said something about like Otter Night and I'm like I love otters and I learned then I learned it was like a gay term. No, but, oh, like, I meant oh. it as gay men because I, I no, I meant it as the animal. I'm like it would be cool both. if it was an otter themed. Yeah. No, I know. Like it, it I was so disappointed. Like, yeah, yeah. I just I I would love an otter an otter otter themed dance party. Why can't it be both? Can it be otters and that like That would be so cute. Yeah. If, they, if they like leaned into it so there's all these like otters everywhere. Right? Yeah, yeah. but it's if also If I was like a gay man, otters. I would be I would be an otter. Yeah. <laughs> I would make myself into an otter. But like the idea of like uh, like gay otters like what that means is like they're I think they're like usually pretty cute guys. Yeah. So yeah, I like gay otters, <laughs> and gay otters. If you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Just I like otter love all around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I guess you were you had talked about kind of like you like when a straight uh, or gay man is able to portray convincingly portray a straight character, which I think a lot of gay uh, actors can do very well. But then go the extra kind of mile and like turn you on. So, oh yeah, well, I can't go the extra mile. Uh, but with this is a straight actor, and I think he convincingly. I think it was definitely an overtop, over the top portrayal of like a gay man, definitely. But that was kind of the point. But I mean, he's, I, he's played gay characters before. He right? has, I think he has. Yeah, yeah but he, he did it. He did it well. But it, it wasn't like oh, this is the quintessential whatever because yeah. it is over the top. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he did a good job. <clears throat> I think he did. A like good I job said, too. I think I, I just like when people can va- like can like seduce anyone. Like I like Convincing that vibe. Like, yeah. Yeah, like a like a I like a vampire who just is like man woman. I can seduce anyone. I like that vibe. <laughs> yeah, and you had mentioned that with uh and I don't I don't know why why I didn't think of this, but just like about how um seductive Langdon is. Yeah, and I like to think of myself as pansexual, where I just am... <laughs> <laughs> it 
including supernatural creatures. I just like feeling vibes of people. Uh, just that really going off vibes, me. man. Yeah, I just like to go off vibes. Yeah, but Langdon definitely has vampire energy. Like, that, yes. that seducing vampire yeah. energy to him. Like, because I was trying to think of it, and I was just like, he's scary, sexy, what is it? And it's just scary, like, why sexy. didn't I think of vampires? That's exactly yes. what it is. He looks, he looks like a vampire, kind of. And he's got yeah, and him and Evan Peters have chemistry. Him and... Uh, Sarah Paulson have chemistry, so like that. Yeah, I think it was an. I think they do it effectively. The actors. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Everyone but Tim and Emily. <laughs> they. They're chemistry. just like pretty. They're just young and pretty, and that's the chemistry they have. I so the actor that plays Timothy or Tim is. Um, I know him from the Path uh, that was on Hulu. It was a show about uh, a, oh, a cult. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was really good. It kind of fell off and then it got canceled, but the first couple seasons were really, really good uh, and he was great in it. So I really liked him in that. So I was excited to see him and then his character fell so flat. Yeah. So I know he could have done more with it because I've seen him, you know, actually act into a good show. <laughs> <laughs> That's unfortunate. I think yeah. I watched a couple episodes of that, but I just was like, eh, no. Yeah, I like I I like stuff like that. I so. didn't I didn't not like it. I just I don't love cult stuff. I See, I like I like cult stuff. So I was I was in. Um. Yeah, I guess that's pretty much that's all my notes. Is yeah. there anything else you want to say to wrap up? Um. No. I mean, uh, do you want to talk uh, briefly about um, Ryan Murphy's announcement on Instagram? Oh yeah. Okay. So, um, you want to? Do you want to <laughs> do? It? Well, yeah. He. Kinda... Well, I have the story pulled up. Yeah. Okay. So, this is our set. Our final segment, Ryan Murphy news. So he posted on Instagram about a Zoom call with his American Horror Story frequent collaborators, and he said that they're gonna. He announced a spinoff called American Horror Stories which will be one-hour contained episodes. Um, and then that's going to start filming, I don't I, I don't know when, because of the quarantine. But, yeah. Um, it, but, was cute. it was cute, though, in the tweet, because I have the tweet up here. Um, uh, he said, um, it was so much fun, and I'm so glad we caught up. I miss everyone, so it was really cute. And then uh, some fan of the show kind of put together what the Zoom call would look like and put a bunch of characters <laughs> kind of together. Um, Wait, so was there a real Zoom call? No, there was, because he said there was a oh, Zoom call, but I don't okay. think he had, like, a picture of the Zoom call. Okay, well, does someone have a pic? Can someone hack into that Zoom call and show me? It would have been perfect. I really, really would like to hear it. I mean, especially because I do like a lot of these actors, like, a lot. So it yeah. would have just been fun to hear them, hear them talk. Sarah Paulson is one of my favorite people ever, like, whenever I see her in interviews, I'm like, she seems like the most fun person to work with, like, ever. Yeah. Like, you see her, and she just is, like, cracking up with, like, all her, like, she just has this, like, awesome, like, she's really just, like, good at female friendships, it seems like, too. Yeah. Like, she's just, like, really just, is just, like, a total riot and having a good time. Like, I watched an interview with her and Kate Blanchett, 
for like Ocean's whatever, the reboot. And mm -hmm. um, they were just like, could not stop just having their own side kind of like just making each other laugh. Like, you're a yeah. fucking terrible actor. Ha 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 ha. Like, just like she's, ragging she's on each like, other. She's like Jennifer Lawrence, where she's like just so cool, gets along with everyone. Yeah, just, but you know, in a much more kind of like um, relatable way, I feel yeah. like she's, she's goofy too. I yeah. also saw something with her, uh, an interview with her talking about cult, and you know how that has to do a lot with uh, phobias, mm -hmm. um, and her phobias specifically, her character's phobias. Mm -hmm. So apparently, Ryan Murphy, those are like all Sarah pa Paulson's real phobias. Oh, she God. has a lot of phobias, and so yeah. he, he's just doing it to fuck with her. <laughs> I think I also saw her do like the Ellen thing where they she they have to go through like Halloween Horror Nights haunted house. So yeah, yeah. she gets that scared easily. Yeah, <laughs> I would like filming horror stuff would be scary. Like, yeah, it for would me. Be. Yeah, I would be scared too. Um, but yeah, she she always seems to be enjoying herself, and I feel like Ryan Murphy is someone who does seem like a really kind of fun person. Uh, yeah. And probably fun to work with. He, uh, I saw him. He was on a Real Housewives of Atlanta episode, <laughs> and he was talking to because him and Le Nene Leakes were having lunch together. Oh, wasn't she, was she on, in his his yeah, show? She was on yeah. Glee. No, but she was also on. Um, I mean, she was on that the, the new, new normal, normal yeah. which I actually watched. I yeah, think. it was okay. There were some good things yeah. in it, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, so she, uh, they, they were just, like, having lunch, and she was, like, talking about Tyler Perry and how she has his number, and she's, like, call him. He's, like, call him, Nene, call him. And she calls him, and the number's disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It was really funny, and they both laughed. <laughs> it was cute. So he's just, like, having a good time. He goes on Real Housewives of Atlanta with Nene. Yeah. No, um, I... I guess I forget, like, how much of the actors I do love, uh, that Ryan Murphy collaborates with, um... There's a lot of good, talented people. Yeah, there's a lot of great people, and uh, I obviously we both really like Evan Peters a lot. So, you know, he's great. Everyone but Dylan McDermott. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> just as kidding. adverse to Dylan McDermott, but yes, yes, totally. I just watched um, Fantasy Island, which is horrible, but uh, Maggie Q is in it, and um, uh, I was like, oh, I love her. Like I loved her in Nikita, and then. Uh, Argus was like, but she was like engaged to Dylan McDermott. And you're so, like, oh, and I'm, no. I'm like, oh, but he's like, so enough said. I'm like, does everyone hate Dylan McDermott? <laughs> like, about I'm like, but she, they didn't, she, she broke it off, I guess. So, yeah. So it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Don't watch that movie. It's so bad. Um, okay. So, yeah. So I think, uh, those are the yeah, first three episodes. And I think next time we're going to, discuss we'll we'll figure out but do maybe the next three or four episodes yeah um yeah. and you know go from there and i know they get much more into the witches and kind of backstory of like how we led up to this apocalypse yeah. and uh the mystery of who langdon really really is um so yeah thanks for listening we'll catch you guys next week yeah, whenever we, <laughs> whenever we whenever we record and put out episodes. But yeah, yeah. thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks so much. Okay. I sounded bitter when I said that. Thank you so much. <laughs> thanks so much. Thanks so bye. Much. <laughs> okay, and bye. Bye.